Welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm Jo Salter, your podcast host and founder of Where Does It Come From, a social enterprise focusing on kind clothes that tell tales. In this podcast, I'll be chatting with amazing people who've dedicated themselves to making our world a better place through business, social enterprise, campaigning and much more. In this episode, I'm chatting with Anil Kumar Ambavaram, social entrepreneur and key player in Radis Cotton. Radis works with tribal cotton farmers to offer a solution that's regenerative for both the farmers and the planet, working across the value chain in a partnership model from fashion brands to farmers. This is radical disruption of the cotton to customer model. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm very excited today to have with me my old friend Anil Kumar and Bavaran. Hope I've said that right, Anil. We've been talking for ages, and whenever I talk to Anil, I always find that I get carried away asking questions and trying to understand his area because it's just so fascinating the whole area of regenerative cotton. So, welcome, Anil. Thank you, Joe. It's really a pleasure. Yes, uh, I enjoy this long cherished relationship with you. Thank you once again for today. Yeah. So, where can you tell us first of all where are you and what's the weather like today? Joe, I'm sitting just 500 meters away from uh, the sea in Vishakhapatnam. It's uh, really northern Andhra Pradesh. Andhra Pradesh is a state in South, South India, you know, and um, we have a long uh, coastline. And I'm sitting at the north piece and we are very close to tribal tribal farmers because we have a very beautiful, prominent hilly region close by that harbors nearly 17 types of indigenous groups. And they are the ones who are like completely marginalized, chronically exploited, yet beautiful souls. And they are the real stewards of nature. So as a radish cotton, we decided to work with them. Uh, uh, it's not that they are beneficiaries or anything. They are our partners in safeguarding our nature. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a beautiful city called Vishakhapatnam. And I would say we are like uh, 150 kilometers away from all these beautiful villages. Oh, it sounds, sounds absolutely lovely. So um, you've already mentioned the tribal um, indigenous people that you, you work with. But tell us about yourself and your journey into getting to where you are now with Vadis Cotton? Joe, uh, well, I sold uh, pesticides. Some of them are, some of them were extremely uh, dangerous, you know. I remember the early days of my career when I stepped out of my college with graduation in agriculture, you know, like any middle-class Indian, I wanted to do a job that gives me a lot of money so that I would take care of my parents, my friends, support a lot of people around me in education, especially because education in Indian system is extremely crucial for our sustenance of family units, I would say. Because our social security systems are very different. You know, if someone is ill, there is no other way but just, you know, get into that vicious death cycle. If if the if there is a kind of surgery that costs too much, then the family cannot even survive, you know. So, yeah, it's really important. So I started working with big chemical companies promoting pesticides. 
But the first crop that I worked with was cotton. The reason being, cotton, like many other countries um, in India, cotton is a very prominent uh, commercial crop. We call it typically as white gold here. And um, yeah, farmers pin a lot of hopes on cotton, hoping that you know their heavy investment, heavy risk taking may fetch them good returns so that they can repay. It's not to become rich so that they can repay all the debts incurred in the previous years. You know, that's, I would say, beautiful entrepreneurs and they are perpetually optimistic. And I saw that, you know, these cotton farmers were using a lot of pesticides and for pesticide companies, cotton is seen as a very important market segment. So as a young professional, I was placed as a kind of a trainee promoter uh, who would go to farmers and visit uh, their fields, promote chemicals everyday basis, day in, day out, I would say. And I was almost topping the company, you know, or topping uh, the sales chart in my companies because I was working a lot. And I was extensively going to villages. And I remember I, I have worked with uh, thousands of farmers when I was selling pesticides. That is the basis of what I do today at Travis Cotton, because I have seen myself the detrimental impact of these toxic chemicals, GMOs, and bad market mechanisms, how these vulnerable, vulnerable farmers are actually getting, you know, into more and more dangerous situations, you know, you know. So, yeah, Radish Cotton, we try to identify these problems one more time and to create solution that that is more holistic when i say holistic it's economic social and ecological solution package is actually around the system so did you when did you realize when did you sort of have that lighting up of realizing that what you were doing wasn't in tune with your personal belief system that made you think i need to change this you know uh, joe one of the best ways of keeping young professionals engaged in these kinds of activities, commercial activities, is give them very good pay, you know, give them five-star hotel, give them wonderful cars, all that, you know, that gives a kind of social status back in India. So I was enjoying all of that because my sales numbers were great. But I started observing beyond my sale, beyond my targets, and beyond my five-star hotel life. I saw farmers, you know, struggling to buy every pesticide bottle that they they needed. And they were doing everything in their capacity. And they were taking loans at exorbitantly high interest rates. And it was even going up to 30, 30 to 40%. And there was a lot of exploitation inbuilt in that whole mechanism, right? How farmers continuously depend depend on these middlemen or local traders who sell seeds, uh, who sell pesticides. So it's really like a vicious cycle because end of the day, they are the, one, they are the ones who just come back to farmers and say, hey, we, we buy your cotton. And that's again a new space for exploitation with faulty weighing machines, whatnot. You know, maybe I can explain you later. I was observing all these things very closely firsthand. And that is one part of it. A second part of it, I started understanding, you know, studying agriculture was not enough. Really understanding agricultural systems in a country like India, which is extremely complex and interdependent on different factors, was a kind of revelation that was really unfolding for me as I, you know, as I was moving from one year to other year. 
But parallelly, you know, painfully, I also have seen farmers getting hospitalized with severe pesticide exposure, and some of them even died. And some of them even got into that kind of situation by using the chemicals, some of the chemicals that I was even promoting. And then the question is, okay, I'm struggling for my survival to take care of my people, but what is the real cost of it? Mm. You know, when that question, you know, was striking in my head, then it was very unsettling for me. You know, that was the moment I, when I saw some farmers even, you know, dying, you know, it was very difficult to withstand that emotion that no, I, I cannot continue here. Mm. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting, and it's interesting that you talk about the system as well. And um, I'm sure people who are listening will uh, realize how complicated that system is when you start selling farmers seeds, pesticides, and all these other things, and then so they're trying to spend all this money to produce a good crop, and then the same people are coming back to buy that crop and forcing the prices down. There is, it's always the same situation in these economic systems all over the world everywhere the people who are at the end with their hands dirty who are actually doing the work are always the ones pushed pushed back to the far end and I wouldn't go as far as always exploited but undervalued in in a lot of cases and that's what organizations are trying to check organizations like ours and yours and so many others are trying to change give them back that voice again I don't mind to use the word exploitation here Joe because they're truly exploited if you really look at them you know without having any bias they are exploited yeah yeah i agree with you but it's a it's a difficult one isn't it because uh without getting too deep into economics which i hope to do on another on another podcast episode it's it's all about the system that we've created globally um where the power sits with the consumer and the marketeers and the middlemen as you say but not with the people who are actually producing and not with nature either nature is the other thing that is exploited here um so i I want to talk about system because you've actually called your your agricultural um organization the radis system so tell us about the radis system now and what's different about what that from what you've worked with see joe um radis system is an idea of a fair world where agricultural systems are not radically simplified because by default agricultural production systems that produce our food and fiber are very complex rich and extremely functional right of course to maximize our yields and maximize our again our profits we simplify them but when we do that oversimplification we kill the rigor in those systems right there are there is a beautiful natural regulatory processes that we are actually killing right every system created by nature has its inherent capacity to deal with its own challenges right while humans intervene with these production systems what is agriculture system you know we look at a forest and say okay we take inspiration from forest but we try to put everything in a very compact area uh, we shorten the period you know, bolster the numbers yield, yield, and then, you know, try to sell as much as possible in the market, right? So that system prompts a kind of different world where we give that apt respect to these ecological processes. We call that as agroecology. 
So radis is all about agroecology, but that is only agriculture. That's not just agriculture. Radis also looks at the social piece, how these vulnerable farmers and women labor workers are not having fair chance to live in dignity and have their sovereignty, you know, to go for their own dreams. So it tries to, I don't say Radis is uh, able to create, uh, solve all the problems, but at least Radis system tries to create a kind of value chain community that prompts that, that the kind of equality, opportunity, for all of us whoever is involved, you know, to do good mutually, at the same time, we all contribute to regenerate the environment around us, you know. That's why we call it as a system, because it's not just about agriculture production system, it's not just about promoting organic agriculture, it's about looking at each and every layer in the value chain, everyone involved in the value chain, and see, hey, what is best for everyone involved? And that's, it's, it's interesting, it's, it is a fundamental shift in thinking about how people and nature are used and I, I deliberately don't say exploited in that one I mean for me when I um, was first getting involved with um, creating clothing creating textiles sort of 10 years ago or so and starting to understand a little bit more about cotton I find that I get I still get people say to me but cotton is a bad crop cotton is a dirty crop cotton you know the owl sea disappeared because of cotton the pesticides in cotton the water used in cotton and I say to them it's not the cotton cotton is a crop it's what us as human beings have done to that cotton so taking an indigenous cotton crop and moving it to the other side of the world where it isn't natural of course it will require you know pesticides it will require water to grow um because it's not meant to grow there you're not meant to grow that there and then so what do people do they start doing ge genetic modification to, to, to try and solve some of these problems rather than saying actually where is this supposed to grow what is the natural system for this to grow and the same thing with overproduction you know it's like you're saying it's nature has its own boundaries so if you try to produce more than nature wants you to produce of course you're not going to be able to produce that without adding things that you don't really Absolutely. want to add yeah so that, that's kind of my simple take on it um i was going to ask you some more about the tribal people that you work with with radis these tribal people um well the unfortunate thing here joe is there is television in these tribal villages that is slowly creeping in and that is causing uh cultural devastation also you know they are drinking they started drinking Cokes, uh, Pepsi's, and all that, and they also start started using too much rice, which is not good. You know, you know, India has a lot of diabetes whatsoever, and their culture is also not well respected or appreciated. You know, but what we see there is a beautiful opportunity for all of us to learn. You know, the way these uh, tribal communities uh, create sacredness around nature. You know, their goddesses, especially goddesses, are connected to nature. So there is a goddess around soil, there is goddess around water, there is goddess around tree, you know, there is goddess around animals. So the way they packaged, you know, how to conduct the human life uh, by respecting these natural processes is beautiful, you know. So we are, as Radis system, working with almost um, 170 villages, wow. where nearly 17 different indigenous groups live in harmony, 
because in one village you can also see different kind of indigenous groups and they definitely live in harmony not just among themselves they also live in harmony with nature that's that's the vision of uh, gramin vikas kendra which is our implementing agency and these people of course their next generations are slowly getting cell phones but they still have in their souls that you know that that the thing for you know nature and we are especially focusing on women because women in these tribal communities are even more beautiful they care for nature they care for their children and they are not the ones who just go and buy alcohol you know they try to invest in their own family well being and the community well being so radis system approaches women we try to we don't promote but we say hey there is a possibility for your beautiful indigenous way of living to turn into even a good market opportunity if you really really appreciate it right so what we try to do is we try to facilitate this tribal knowledge to surface and that can also help in building a resilient cotton production system that blends well with both cotton and also food to serve uh, the nutritional need of the families it's not about maximizing cotton it's about balancing cotton and food that's why we call this as radis food and fiber garden so do they do these people have their own lands or small holding lands or is it is it a communal land most of these farmers have their own land you know jo in the eastern ghats where they are living uh, luckily other people cannot just go out and buy land or grab land from these tribes that's really something that i appreciate at policy level but yeah most of the farmers have their own land which is ancestral but some of the land that they still use seasonally for production after that they move to you know we call that as kodu agriculture they move to other locations that means again nature will take over you know this place yeah i will say most of them they own and there are also some landless farmers they just keep moving hmm. that's int- it's really interesting that it's trying to understand and um i suppose respect their way of life because it's so different from what the sort of market systems would be promoting as a good way of making money so it's a, it's a it's like you say it's in harmony with nature with heritage with tradition um and trying to link that into a positive system for for you say a market opportunity for these farmers and uh, for nature as well so it's a it is wonderful what you're doing and i know that um the way from, from speaking before the way that the land is farmed is actually so nature positive that it actually comes out as being po- carbon positive i understand yeah i definitely get into carbon positive jo but as you speak i just recollect one very important incident you know from my memory layers you know one of our team members sharath was traveling in these villages and he was tired in the evening and he came across a old lady who was selling custard apple you know beautiful basket full of uh, you know custard apples and then uh, he was having this nice conversation with her about her life and then he said hey, i just would like to buy a few custard apples he said okay 100 rupees and he said all right you know in in, in the nearby town for 100 rupees maybe we can get one or two kilos so he thought she's offering one or two kilos 
he handed over this uh, 100 rupees bill then she said okay take like yeah please give me no take it all like what for 100 rupees this much she said yes and he said he was really puzzled he said if you sell it you would definitely get something close to 600 to 700 easily she said she smiled gracefully and told him maybe but i need only 100 rupees ah yeah good one yeah yeah look at that look at that thinking look at their attitude towards life mm. she's happy and content with that 100 rupees although she knows that she can exploit right mm. it's not exploitation but she she is able to sell at 700 rupees but she is very conscious soul and says this is only a need yeah so the difference between our needs and wants i think this is a very important uh, discussion point i think you're absolutely right carbon positive thing yes yeah if if we have the farmers with this kind of attitude you know they are the ones who can save us you know from all the miseries all the catastrophes that is possible uh, because of you know increasing climate crisis loss of biodiversity and lands becoming infertile maybe after 50 60 years we don't have even a seed germinating in in these uh, in these soils right so to me uh, jo i believe that they are truly inspirational these tribal communities mm. no it's, it's, i love that story i absolutely love that story and it's something you hear quite a lot from social entrepreneurs uh you know like yourself and people people understand that need when is something enough so our our current system is always saying get more get more get more get as much as you can whatever but no we don't need it but some people do need and then we share you know yeah. the idea you, you help you share and nature we've exploited nature we need to share with nature now as well so i i absolutely love that story but yeah going back to the climate as well as your inspirational um people that you're working with i was the other we were supposed to be recording this podcast the other day and um <clears throat> we had to call it off because you were having a cyclone and we had a brief chat and you said to me yeah it's very unusual to have a cyclone in march um it's a bit of a worry because potentially it could affect the whole of the um the cotton crop i guess or other crop, food crops and everything if the rain then doesn't come when it should come later in the year so that really triggered a thinking to me about that nature and being being part of that nature system and if nature system starts going wrong because of what we as humans have done to it how is that going to impact the livelihoods of these farmers it's, it's a real problem so tell, tell us a little bit about how you think the climate is being affected where you are so we we read a lot about climate change right uh for us especially in these kinds of villages climate change is a, is a, is a kind of everyday thing i tell you how it happens there may be number of ways that we can explain climate change but i would like to put a farmer's perspective here in the month of june we have first monsoon that that gives us good shower that helps farmers to sow so their seeds you know that there is enough moisture in soil to start their operations field operations and a cotton farmer sows his seed especially the second week of june and he starts his first harvest by mid of november 
but the real harvest actually starts maybe end of November. From then it continues till January and even sometimes February, like four to six har harvest that, the, that we can expect. Now, in the last four years, in my own experience, what I see there is, we are not really sure if it's going to rain in the second week of June here. This area, I, I tell you that the Eastern Ghats are beautiful, you know, I would say, Ecologically, this is a beautiful area, yet I see how extremely vulnerable these farmers are because there is a very dramatic difference in weather patterns. So sometimes they receive rain in the month of June, that's already one month late, but that rain is not enough to make sure that there is enough moisture available for a proper germination of seeds. If something goes wrong at the time of germination, especially because 80% of our farmers in this region are depending completely on rainfall. So their life is like a gamble in the hands of weather. If there is any change in the amount of rainfall or the time of rainfall received, their agricultural production systems are badly hit. If there is a delay in sowing, they have at least 10 to 15% of lower yields by default. And sometimes what happens, the subsequent rains, as it happens normally, normally, are not happening. That means even if they spend a lot of money in preparing their land, put their seed in soil, some germinate, some don't germinate, even if they are germinated. But we are not really sure if there will be kind of subsequent rainfall after 15, to, 15 days to one month to sustain plants growth. So it's e getting even worse these years. While we have prolonged dry spells, and sometimes we see untimely cyclones. Let's say in the month of November for the last four years, what we have seen in this region is continuous cyclones. Last year, Joe, there were 22 days that were covered by continuous cyclones, not just one, multiple. Then imagine all the cotton crop, or not just cotton crop, of course, multiple other crops in the region, got severely submerged in water. So please imagine the damage was even more for conventional farmers. At least, you know, radish farmers got better strength in their plants, so they withstood better. But I have seen the severe damage incurred by conventional farmers. So this is not just a rarity anymore. This is becoming new normal. Mm. Untimely rainfall, insufficient rainfall, prolonged dry spells, and prolonged wet spells. All the rain is happening in a very short period. It causes devastation, right? Mm -hmm. So, end of the day, what we see is farmers are getting more and more vulnerable to climate. Their productions are going down. So, what, what is happening is conventional farmers are using more and more inputs, chemical inputs, like adding more fertilizers, or adding more pesticides. But what we see is a severe decline in yields. So, I would say climate change is becoming very, very, very important factor that is not really helping farmers any further. Mm. No, it's interesting what you say. I mean, again, going back to what we were saying earlier about that balance between nature, you know, and what we're asking of nature, it's that if nature is providing us with less yield, what we should do within that system, the nature system, is grow less accept less but we don't we try to push it 
to grow more. Yeah. So we, we are we forcing with the use of pesticides. And again, our economic system is not accepting that you you have you can produce less. So you know the demand for cotton by brands and organizations is not going to go down because they're so disconnected from the impacts that nature are having on farmers. So it's it's a broken system. It's a broken system. See Joe, I see it this way. When a conventional production system uh, uses a lot of fossil fuel-based inputs, you know, production, transportation, and application of these fossil fuel-based products release a lot of greenhouse gases, right? There is, of course, obviously, uh, that is pushing climate change further. But when there is climate change, farmers' fields and their lives are badly affected. What they do is they try to struggle through that difficulty because farmers, end of the day, do not have any alternative means to survive. Some of the farmers I see are migrating to nearby villages or nearby towns in pursuit of, in pursuit of their livelihood. Some of them are actually working as you know everyday labor worker, building you know constructions, dams, whatsoever. But their livelihood cycles are also very erratic. There's no reliable livelihood stream that they can find because their skills are also very limited and that is only around agriculture or land management right so what i see that some of them are actually moving out of the villages but some of them are staying and they're just lost they don't know how to solve the problem right so it's really the cycle we use more uh, chemicals that have great impact on greenhouse gas emission and then farming fields are getting vulnerable and as farming, farmers are getting more vulnerable, the entire rural economy is getting even weaker and it's getting even more exposed. It, this is really a kind of next level of uh, vicious cycle, not just yeah. that. And the soil, the soil as well will degrade the more chemicals, you know, and so degrading nature as well while we're while we're doing this. And this is a this is a negative, but we need to say it. But I want to turn to a positive because otherwise we'll both get very depressed. Um, but. <sighs> The um, you have a lot of supporters. I mean, what Radis is doing is amazing. I mean, I think I'm I'm such a big fan of the, of Radis. Um, but I know you have lots of supporters that you work with in Europe and other places. So tell us about some of the work that you have been doing um with Radis and with your your company, your partners. So, uh, Radis System believes in one thing, Joe, that this so-called sustainability is not a hard science. It is a kind of outcome when people come together with consciousness, right? And they decide to co-create a better world. Then sustainability is a natural outcome, right? So what we try to do is we bring in all important stakeholders across the table. It's government, local local governments and even international governments, farmers who are the protagonists in the story, farmers, and then trade, that is primary processes, secondary processes. And we also bring in conscious international brands, you know, who are willing to drive this positive change on the ground and who are willing to take the responsibility, you know, to to be part of this. And what we try to say, hey, look, this is a problem. This is not just a problem for one, it's for everyone. We all are operating in the same place. There is only one planet. And what can we do to do? do together then then what i really love at radis is these brands are not really acting as a transaction based bias 
normally what i see that okay they want certified organic cotton yeah that means they don't take responsibility whatsoever that is needed to support farmer to take that leap of faith and turn their conventional production system into you know more regenerative system during that extremely crucial period period of transformation these brands are now through radish system are saying hey dear farmer you are not alone yeah what did they, they how do how do they do that you know radish is uh, you know requesting brands to support farmers first uh, these brands take the responsibility by supporting farmers to adapt to regenerative way of agriculture system that is how to you know have low tillage how to uh, manage soil health not using any chemicals but use only locally available methods you know uh, using locally available inputs and then also how to prepare plant concoctions you know how to build a mixed cropping system that is more resilient how to cover soil all those things farmers need training and support brands are not just buying cotton made made made, made from uh, these fields but they are also supporting farmers to convert into regenerative system that's one way of supporting it and second way of supporting uh, what i see here is these brands are saying okay farmer has only one one cycle of livelihood that is in the entire year farmer can get only one time of payment that is when he sells his cotton there is no other means right but in a typical conventional system what happens is this middleman procure cotton and god knows when they are going to pay this uh, this farmer and even if they pay that payment is is very exploitative they say oh, your quality is bad and you know joe these tribal farmers if you hand them currency they don't even know how to count then you can imagine the kind of exploitation that is possible here mm-hmm. and that's real there right so these brands are saying hey we understand that you know you need to receive this money immediately right so these brands are coming forward to make sure that farmer receives money on the spot that's why they are they are giving us working capital to procure cotton respectfully uh, that means in the november we start procurement but these brands are paying this working capital in the month of october itself so that the farmer is paid on time and well right and in that system it's not someone else farmer representatives they measure cotton using digital weighing machines they make the note of you know how much is being procured what they whatever they have to receive what we are trying to do is we are supporting farmers children who are going to school to be part of this process like you know counting if elders don't know how to count on stuff you know their children can also help so we are creating a very transparent system where every stakeholder knows their responsibilities knows their rights and all of us work together as a system it's not just what happens on the field right you know where cotton is grown as a mixed crop and no chemicals no gmos all that and soil is managed well without having any chemicals soil is actually supported by microbial uh, you know my- microbial products but it's also it's also how farmers are empowered so that farmers and brands have this direct contact mm-hmm. you know if farmer knows what is happening with the with the cotton that they are producing i remember joe i went to village i took a t-shirt that is made from their cotton and a 70 years old man held this t-shirt and said my god is it made of my cotton yeah i have never seen in my 70 years anything made from whatever i have produced by sweating in these fields he was extremely emotional yeah i think 
it's not about these supply chain processes typically like we produce we process we transport we sell all that it's not about that it's about bringing people together you know having that kind of resonance and aspirations dreams for for us and for our next generations so it's ready system is brands and farmers and as ready system as as a team we all are working together to find solutions especially when there are so many factors that beyond our scope of control like climate change yeah. it's about co-creation it's really interesting is it because i mean i i've talked to a lot of my customers and colleagues about radius and trying to change the way that they source things especially t-shirts i've been focusing on t-shirts and saying hey you don't want to just go to a big warehouse and buy a thousand t-shirts goodness knows where they came from you know with this system you can start working the beginning of the growing cycle you can get to know the farmers you can get to know the system you can understand everything and be a part of it you know and apart from one customer most people their head doesn't work that way and it's like i'm trying it's like trying to educate people that you could really be part of something here rather than just going to a, to a warehouse and buying a thousand t-shirts that are just sitting there but so so far and if anyone's listening to this and they do want to talk about this please talk to me about it because but so far i'm not getting a lot of people here in the uk who are willing to take that step apart from like i said just one who started down that that story with us but it, it frustrates the hell out of me, to be honest, that people won't. But I'm really glad that you are finding brands and organisations that will work with you. And I know you created um, a lot of T-shirts. I think I've got one here, actually. Here's one I made earlier, one that Sonna gave me. So you you worked with Tomorrowland, didn't you? So this is some of um, anyone who's watching on YouTube can see it's a T-shirt that was created um, from some of Anil's tribal farmers. But you're also working with a UK brand, aren't you? Bedstraw and Madder. Bedstraw and Madder, a wonderful partner yeah. who is extremely responsible and they are doing their best. And they were also here a few months ago. And I saw the beautiful interaction happening between the two of Bedstraw and Madder and farmers. And to me, it's really, really wonderful to see these two unrelated ends coming together. Yeah. And then it's about co-creation, right? I, as I explained just now, why why are things happening the way they are happening now? I think it's also because there is no transparency. The yeah. moment we use transparency as a tool for transformation, people are inherently good at their, at their souls. All they need is the right information, an opportunity to participate, opportunity to, to bring their aspirations to the table. For example, a buyer back in uh, the UK may have a lot of aspirations that they want this kind of world. Maybe some may want women empowerment, some may want biodiversity conservation, some may want to tackle climate change. But do we have opportunity for these individual consumers to, to, to impact whatever is relevant to their souls? Yes or no? To me, no, right? No. They are like consumers, they are paying, they are powerless. Performers yeah. are producing, they are producing, they don't know what happens, they are exploited, they are powerless. The entire system is built in an extremely divided way and opaque way that exploitation is absolutely possible. But what Radis tried to do is break this opaqueness, bring people together, create absolute transparent system. The moment we create the transparency, I am sure the inherent capacity of human soul to be good, yeah. to do good, comes out. You know, I agree. I agree. Radis, Joe, what I say Everyone can check what is happening, even in terms of money, how every pound or every rupee is being used, 
how much farmer is being paid, how much a labor worker is paid, what is actually paid to a processing unit, what is the profit remaining, what are we doing with that profit, anything, everything is absolutely open and transparent. That I, is what we believe in. I completely agree with you. And that brings me on. I mean, I, why I started, where does it come from with the name? Where does it come from? Is it all about, yeah, it's all about the name. transparency? Although I didn't realize that having a W at the start means we come to the bottom of every list. But there we are. That's another story. But the, yeah. you know, that's why I did this, because I'm, I agree so much with you that it's about that human connection and, and the connection with nature. So it's connecting nature, connecting human to human. And once you have that human human connection and you can build trust, everything goes a bit deeper and you stop you stop sort of thinking, what can I get out of this? You know, and it becomes more about my my farmer colleagues over there. They farm the land, my spinners, my weavers, my garment workers. You know, I, I know them all. It's a, it's a connection, you know, and that's that's what I believe. And I'm hoping that the the way that businesses work at the moment will have some kind of awakening i suppose so that they they realize that they can do things in partnership rather than what has happened for the last 50 years with the you know the economic model we have of mass production mass mass consumption where you keep partnerships to a minimum and you have that that whole lack of yeah. op- opaqueness within it which yeah. you know that's what you and i and many others like us want to change and that brings me on to another thing we were talking um over the last month or so Radis, where does it come from? And Cardi London, a, a, a social enterprise that I'm a director of. We were talking about ways that we could tell the stories, weren't they? Because we wanted to build that transparency so that people could actually, when they're buying a garment or even when they're just looking into a garment, they could actually find out much, much more about the um, people involved all the way through. And crucially, the people involved could find out about the other people involved and just as your old gentleman could could actually find out what happened to their garment, because we were feeling that everything, even with transparent brands, like where does it come from? The stories are told from the point of view of the brand. And we wanted to find some way for the people at the beginning of the chain to decide on the stories that they wanted to tell and how they wanted to tell them. So together we worked on that and we produced a um a funding application unfortunately we didn't get the funding to do that but we're still going to do that so tell us a little bit about your thoughts on storytelling and how we increase that transparency joe um ironically and this there is no authenticity everyone can claim anything say anything but here is the way i believe that's what you also believe i know that if the real deal actually comes from the person who is real on the ground, that is farmer or a woman labor worker, and they, they tell the story from their experience, from their heart, I think there won't be, there won't be any lies. You know, they speak from their hearts, right? So the, the narrative that, that has to be accepted in the market should actually come only from farmers. The moment we have authenticity in value chains, I am sure we create a different enough engagement so my my take on this is very clear it should be farmer who should be the protagonist here and he should tell his story straight from his heart there is no other way but you ask me how how we manage the barriers of language i think that's our job we need to find solutions to this yeah 
that's what we were hoping to do. Um, but when we will still do it, I'm determined we will still do it. But and, and we we had some lovely conversations um, with Cardi London as involved as well in how to create those authentic stories. Like you said, there's the language barrier, but there's also how do we evoke senses at a deeper level than just brain to brain? It's almost how do you get the feeling for what it's like um, to be a farmer? You know, so it's 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 a very interesting way of capturing authentic stories and I'm determined we're going to do it we are definitely going to do it somehow <laughs> so uh, please consider this there is a woman farmer you know who produces cotton with her own hands and she she stands in a retail store back in the UK and she tells the story sometimes somewhat one fine day you know I think that would be beautiful and she will see all the products that are made, you know, from her cotton in these shelves. She will also interact with the consumers who are buying that that products. And they both talk, you know, they both exchange. They talk about their children. They talk about their dreams. They talk about the world that they want to have together, you know. So we can do it physically. We can also do it, you know, online whatsoever. But I think I'm excited about the potential that is that is that is hidden by having these people coming together, farmers and and consumers coming together and, and think about everything you know pricing what is possible one 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 year farmer say i have a bad crop bad monsoon can you please pay me a little more and one year he will say no 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 this year i have a great crop just a old lady you know she says, no, 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 I don't need this much. This this much is enough. I need just one pound. I don't need two pounds. I just need one pound, you know. How wonderful that could be. Wonderful. Yeah. If the pricing was done, if the pricing was done based on availability and, and not this kind of this is the price of cotton, let's push it down as much as possible. And if it was actually done based in 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 partnership with nature and farmers rather than it being done to nature and farmers, you know enforced that would be a wonderful thing but yeah I agree I think it would be lovely to have when you're going I mean I always say to to, when I'm speaking or writing an article or something that look at the look at the garment label that you've got and it will tell you things not very much the country that it was produced in and that can quite often just mean the sewing it can tell you the um whether it's 100% cotton whether it's polyester whether it's whatever that's all the information that the customer currently gets about what they're buying and what you want to be saying to customers is ask more questions find out more and then we can tell you you know we can tell you who is this farmer where is yes. this land where this was grown what happened to it you know because then you start building that deeper connection until eventually we get to the point where a shop has a big video screen where so that someone can interact with the actual people involved which would be wonderful yeah and we can do that oh, i also have a request for you um so the thing is, let's, I don't know, um, maybe in the UK, a generic T-shirt, maybe getting sold at something like two pounds or three pounds, you know, even one pound, one and a half pound, I don't know what. But the question is, I request everyone in the system to calculate back and figure out what is the farmer is actually getting from, you know, cheap T-shirts. How is it possible even to make the t-shirt in the first place with that kind of price that includes margins at a retail store. How is that possible? 
that means someone in the system is badly exploited right but before even having that conclusion that someone is exploited let's calculate back to the level of raw cotton right and see how is it possible joe that we have such cheap t-shirts in the hands of customers even after paying the taxes you know transportation <laughs> margins of everyone involved how is it possible joe and unfortunately most of the times it's farmers who, who are getting exploited yeah badly as i said and again it's because they buy they 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 buy in bulk and our economic system rewards people who buy in bulk so somebody is transporting and buying the cotton and paying the factories on for thousands and thousands and thousands of t-shirts and they sit in a warehouse and they sell them off i mean i've seen them as low as 1 pound 50 2 pounds if you're buying a few t-shirts oh. you know and it's just it's just not possible and i've been trying to have um, i've been having conversations um, with lots of people, I'm glad we're talking about t-shirts because this is one of my one of my things in my head at the moment about t-shirts. I mean, I keep talking to, to customers about t-shirts and saying you're going to be having an event, you know, a festival, a marketing drive, whatever, and you're going to buy a few hundred t-shirts for this. What what gives you the right? That sounds. What gives you the right to buy them for such a cheap amount when when you're going to be using them for this event let's think about it differently let's think i'm going to buy these t-shirts i'm going to buy really really good quality ones i'm going to have the story i'm going to use it to market my business as a partner of a system like radis you know a partner to the farmers not just someone who's buying a t-shirt you know that's got my company logo on and maybe we don't buy t-shirts for a festival that have a year written on maybe the same t-shirts can be used every year or something like that or we have a qr code so that the website behind the qr code changes and not the t-shirt you know so it's different ways of thinking about t-shirts and i just anybody listening please talk to me about t-shirts because we could do something really magical which will make your organization your business your event so much more in tune with your consumer base with the farmers with the environment you know we could do something fantastic together with radis and where does it come from and you so please talk to us so i've gone off on one again there <laughs> and neil tell us about some of the work that you've done with t-shirts because i know you have worked with t-shirts what tell us what's so great about your t-shirts so some of the, the brands are asking us to produce t-shirts that's when we take a t-shirt product it's not just mass production of t-shirts and look for buyers no 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 it's not like that and when we produce it we produce t-shirts carefully we not only look at how the cotton is produced but we also look at all the processes involved if any any ginning unit or a spinning unit that has not ours to be there while processing is happening which is almost 90% of the reality here they don't allow anyone to to be there processing is happening that's a no-go for us uh, we need to be there and we need to witness whether there is child labor whether there's exploitation whether there is you know uh, most of the times even that cotton is actually mixed with other gmo cotton you know mm-hmm. we make sure that no such contamination even happens right so we carefully choose our partners we ensure transparency we also have you know tracking of you know which lot is coming from which uh, uh block all that we have coding and everything and then we we also choose you know uh, within this t-shirt product production 
we also see choose what happens to this t-shirt after after you know end of its life can it go back to soil safely so we try to make that there is no other synthetic material than cotton even the stitching thread we use only cotton and the kind of you know, dyes that we use or we are very very conscious about what kind of dyes that we use and we make sure that no one in the system is exploited that we 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 know we should know even a ginning unit which is not ours how every labor worker is being paid whether or whether or not they are paid but as long as our t-shirt is being produced we make sure that no one is actually you know exploited in the system so it's about the product the processes but we try to keep the end of this t-shirt in mind while we produce the t-shirt that means yeah, yeah. all should be caught no material very good dyes very good processes and transparency are the package of this t-shirt that we are producing and then the pricing is also very fair you will see our our t-shirt is not going to be extremely pricey like okay 25 pounds or 50 pounds no at the same time our t-shirt is also not very cheap like one or two pounds not that case we just bring the real cost of the t-shirt to the table and keep everything transparent yeah. it's it's like the woman in the village she just needs enough just needs enough for the t-shirt i need to pay people on the ground yeah they're working they need to feed their families i just would like to keep everything open you know that's exactly what you try to do right yeah exactly right yeah no it's 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 really interesting and i'm only i'm only mentioning t-shirts because that's what i've been trying to work on in the uk to try and bring um partners to radis from the uk so that's why i'm talking about t-shirts but of course radis um works with partners to create all sorts of different products. I mean, Bedstraw or Madder, for example, is underwear. So anybody listening to this, don't think it has to be T-shirts. It's just that that's something that I've been working on. But I want people to understand that they can work on any cotton product. I mean, we you know, we can we can work on that. So um, it's all it's all fascinating. And I'm very conscious that this signal is starting to waver a bit. So it might be a good time to to start wrapping it up. But tell me, um, tell us, everyone listening, you know, how how you want what you what you want people to do. What do you want people to do when they're listening to this? See, request or invite people to ask right questions at the right moments. That's it. It's it's, it's speak. It's you. Connect at a different level, isn't it? We want people to connect at a different level from just how much does it cost and God, that's a bit expensive. It's the, uh, thinking about things in a way that you can connect with the people, with nature. Is, is this fair? Is this right? You know, how can we, how can we work? And, and with businesses in particular, if you, for me, I think if you have, if you're running, if you're running a business and, um, you know, especially some of the big businesses in the world, you can do this better. You can rather than going to a, a, a manufacturer and buying thousands of T-shirts, you can do this a lot better by partnering with the people along the way and building a deeper connection. And there's benefits for the individuals, but it's also benefits for the business because you have these stories, you have this much deeper connection, which your customers will appreciate. They really, really will. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Um, I would like to add this. Um, what you are trying to do, I know uh, what you have been trying to achieve. You know, we just want to build a different kind of uh, T-shirt. You know, uh, that is that is surrounded, embraced 
by people by, you know with the true right, right intentions something t-shirt is not really a product it's it's um it's it's a process you know it's a process to drive change for you at uh, where does it come from and i really appreciate that intention because I, i know when you started this job people were not even talking about transparency in the marketplace yes. you were one of those first you know who started this i'm sure you might have come across a lot of rich experiences on your path and i know you are growing as a person i see how you are becoming more and more resourceful and insightful I'm very happy to connect with you and be part of your journey really wonderful to be part of this conversation thank you thank you i mean I, i'm a big that's really kind words and they do touch me definitely but and i feel the same about you i'm so glad that we were linked up all those years ago um because we think the same way about so many things but you have a knowledge and experience that i just don't have you know you're there on the ground you have this agricultural background you have you know these people so it's it's really rich you know i, I feel rich knowledge coming from you to me and I, i want to share that that's why i'm doing this podcast i want to share what you're saying so that people will understand and i know sometimes i do seem frustrated because i do think i wish people would think differently i wish people would embrace this this these things these transparency but i suppose it's the frustration that drives me a bit and i hope that sometimes it makes people want to want to come on the journey with us you know come along on the journey with us absolutely and we see that success also jo it's not the same situation what we have seen 10 years ago in the marketplace you know brands are becoming conscious consumers are becoming conscious and we are good already you know i see that the entire market is actually rethinking of course there can be ups and downs you know i'm sure in uk the situation may not be so great at this point but this is not going to last forever there is going to be again you know conducive environment in marketplace where consumer will drive prior change so all we need to is stay strong and you know stick to our core values i yeah. know that's what we are we are going to do we are going to do it we definitely are going to do it and yeah, that's a good place to end um the the discussion and if anyone wants to find out more get in touch with me joe at where does it come from.co.uk um or look at where does it come from.co.uk and um how can people find out more about you anil yeah um maybe through you that could be great perfect and radis cotton has a website and it's on social media so there's always interesting things being posted on social media there from radis and they've got a fantastic team um both in um europe and in india so there's lots going on um and hopefully somebody will listen to this and go yes i want to work with you all and i want to create be partners and um we can all do something amazing that would be fantastic that would be my my dream anyway thank you so much for your time anil it's been um wonderful as always thank you thank you joe my pleasure and my gratitude for this opportunity to share my thoughts with you and the larger audience looking forward thank you thank you Thank you for listening to the Where Does It Come From podcast. Please rate us on your platform and follow us so that we can share this podcast with more people. And if you'd like to find out more about the work of Where Does It Come From, please visit our website on wheredoesitcomefrom.co.uk for kind clothes that tell tales.